Please join me in a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sometimes the stories that shape us are dramatic. You know, those slap-the-forehead, aha moments that grab our attention. Others are more subtle, like the examples of behavior that are demonstrated daily for us by our parents. Now, we pastors hope that at least occasionally a scripture and a sermon will grab your attention and haul you up short. Other scriptures and sermons have a more gradual impact. And it's a combination of the examples set for me by my parents and this latter type of scripture and sermon that helped to shape me. My parents were the role models for which I am most grateful. They were salt of the earth people and I feel as if I won the lottery with the parents and later the in-laws that I had. But there was also a series of sermons that had a subtle effect. The Reverend Dr. David Swinehart did a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount that quite possibly was the longest sermon series in history. I mean, it went on, it seemed like, forever. As a matter of fact, uh, when Dave turned 50 years old, we had a surprise birthday party for him. And I was responsible for doing the slideshow. And one of the slides was that famous picture of Charlton Heston as Moses. And the subtitle said, Sermon on the Pound, Part 57. <laughs> of course, it's, it's understandable that it was a long series because Jesus had a lot of good things to say in that sermon. The verses you heard earlier were just some of the highlights. Now, I don't recall Dave's specific words, but in retrospect, that series helped to reinforce so many of the lessons my parents taught me, and it was comforting, reassuring. And I have come to think of that Sermon on the Mount and that sermon series as an ethical will. An ethical will has, and ethical wills have been around for centuries, but I haven't, which may account for why I only heard about them recently. According to Wikipedia, the purpose of an ethical will is to pass on wisdom and love to future generations. You see, an ethical will or a legacy letter is a way to share your values, your blessings, life's lessons, hopes and dreams for the future, love and forgiveness with your family, friends, and community. At its core, an ethical will is a statement about the lessons one has learned and the desire to pass those lessons on. Ethical wills have a scriptural basis. In Deuteronomy 32, uh, Moses instructs the Israelites to be a holy people and to teach their children. And in Genesis 49, Jacob offers his blessings to his sons as he is dying. I've come to think of Sermon on the Mount as following in that tradition. And now that I am older and simultaneously have more gray hair than the rest of the clergy staff here at the Kirk combined, and less hair than any of them, I thought it was time for me to attempt to put an ethical will together. 
Not that I have the wisdom of our biblical ancestors. Rather, I have been the recipient of ethical wills that have been passed down through the ages since biblical times, and it's time for me to do my part. I realize that there are others who are far wiser and more learned than I. Many are present here today. But I do believe that with age comes wisdom through experience. I also admit that I haven't always lived up to the principles you're about to hear, but I'd like to think that I try. So here is my ethical will for you and my family. To you, my dear family and friends in Christ, I would like to think that through the lessons I have learned in life that I can leave you much more than worldly goods. I was blessed with parents who believed in God and taught me that a life that was faithful could be filled with joy even in the midst of hardship and grief. In fact, in one of the last lucid conversations I had with my elderly mother, she said she didn't know how people without faith in God got through difficult times like death of a loved one. And there have been difficult times, but your love and the love of God has never been in doubt. Above all, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your might, and with all your mind. Go to worship services regularly. There are so many distractions today. Resist them. Ignore the notion that spirituality, whatever that is, is enough. It isn't. Yes, you can worship at home alone, but do you? Really? Have the fortitude to stand up to coaches and teams that say that practice or games must be on Sunday. Yes, your child may get more playing time, but at what cost? Read scripture through the lens of love. Use love to determine what scripture means. Never use scripture as a weapon to justify hatred or fear of something you don't understand. Don't take scripture out of context to prove a point. To do so is to make a mockery of the inspired word of God. Remember that having faith does not mean that we will have a life that is free of pain and sorrow. Nowhere, nowhere in Scripture are we told that our life is going to be all peaches and cream. In fact, the lessons are quite the opposite. I can't think of a hero in the Bible who did not undergo hardship and trials. The lesson is that having faith means that we know that God will endure our pain with us. Praying daily is one of the keys to a fulfilling faith life. Don't expect all of your requests of God to be answered as you would like, but know that God listens to all your petitions and answers abound if you will just pay attention. And don't forget to thank God for the abundant blessings in your life. Love. Truly love 
the people in your life. Don't be afraid to express that love through words and actions. If you're married, never let a day go by that you don't say, I love you. Those three words never, ever get old. Be fully committed to your marriage. Don't forget the love that brought you to your wedding day. And while we're on the subject of love, don't be afraid to tell your friends you love them too. True love, something different than what is depicted in movies and in love songs, is so essential to life. After all, love is at the core of Jesus' lessons to us and in Christ's death and resurrection that we might be saved. We were created to live in community with one another with love as an essential element to our mutual survival. Human touch is so powerful. Never hesitate to spontaneously hug a loved one. Touch doesn't have to be sexual. Done properly, it is an expression of caring that can go beyond words. Holding a friend's hand or placing an arm around a shoulder shows that you care and that you can share in their pain as well as their joy. Show kindness to all you encounter, especially those who have been unkind to you. Oh, that's hard. I know. But what example do you want to set for those around you? Nastiness only causes an escalation of anger, angry words. I know. I've been there. I deeply regret those times that I have been nasty, even when I felt justified in doing so. I have never regretted those times when I was kind or those times when I received kindness. Forgive others, particularly the undeserving. Oh, I know this can be hard, but if God can forgive our sin, how can we not make the effort to forgive others? And just as important, learn to be able to forgive yourself. Don't wallow in self-pity at your shortcomings. Learn from your failures and use them to help you grow to be better. <clears throat> I read that forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door to resentment, and life is so much better when resentment disappears. Remember, whenever you, whatever you accomplish in life, you haven't done it alone. Be gracious in accomplishment and exhibit humility. Thank God for the talent you have been given and the people who have helped you along the way. God gave you a brain. Use it. However, don't ever assume that when you walk into a room, the smartest person has just arrived. Think about that one. Be humble. Others will respect you for it. It requires no talent and costs nothing for you to be on time. In fact, it's better to be early as a shine of respect for others. Have a strong work ethic. Never let it be said that you didn't earn your paycheck. The corollary to this is to always give your best effort, bringing energy and enthusiasm to what you do, no matter how humble the task. 
Others will notice and follow your lead. Never, ever hesitate to go the extra mile. Be honest in all your dealings. If you lie, you have to have a much better memory. If you lie, it will eventually be caught. How can people trust you if they don't know whether to believe what you are telling them based on your prior lies? Oh, and your body language will betray you if you are disingenuous. Whenever you're going to a meeting, be prepared. Read your materials. You actually might learn something and prevent needless questions about information that was at your fingertips. Better to be prepared than to waste your time and that of others. Whatever your job, be coachable. Help can come from anywhere, not just above you in the organization chart or those you like. Don't be offended by suggestions from others. They are not an indictment of your skill or your intellect. Be a good listener. You can learn more by listening to others than by listening to yourself. Keep a positive attitude. It's contagious. Your positive nature can lift others up. If you can do all or most of these, you will gain the respect of others and have a greater respect for yourself. Appreciate our freedoms. Be respectful of veterans and first responders. They run toward danger when others run away. Never, ever forget that. Without veterans, we would not have the freedoms we enjoy. In particular, don't forget that your desire to worship God as you choose or not to worship at all is a freedom that much of the world does not embrace. And never forget that uttering criticism of a leader in much of the world is deadly. Exercise the freedom to speak judiciously. Be thoughtful and respectful, especially when it's hard to do. Along with this, yes, you have the right to express your opinions, but respect others enough to give them an opportunity to do the same, even if they are the polar opposite of yours. They have the same rights to speak as you do. Listen to them. You just might learn something, and in turn, they may listen to you. Freedom of speech is not a one-way street reserved only for your side of an issue. Sometimes the middle ground is what is most solid. Don't be afraid to stand there with others rather than on the precipice of self-righteousness and pride. Make tithing a priority. The admonition scripturally to tithe is not passe just simply because it's in the Old Testament. I think Jesus would say that tithing is a good place to start. Now, tithing doesn't just have to be to the church, but be sure to be generous to it. There are many causes that are worth supporting, but Without strong support for our places of worship, the moral imperative of the other causes is greatly diminished. Share the blessings you have been given cheerfully. 
And remember, as the expression goes, you don't see a hearse pulling a U-Haul on its way to the cemetery. Have courage in your convictions while being respectful of the convictions of others. Don't avoid speaking up because you don't want to get involved, but make sure you have the right to speak up. There is a difference between convictions and sticking your nose into the business of others. The world is full of bullies. Don't be one. You make yourself smaller when you belittle others rather than building them up. Ask yourself if God and the person you respect most would be proud of you and your actions. If not, don't. There is little that we do that goes unnoticed. We only get one reputation. Don't squander it. Mark Twain said that the two most important days of our lives are the day when we are born and the day when we figure out why. Think about that. Think about what you are meant to do with your life. Use the gift of life to make a difference. Leave the world a better place. As a result of your being, have a positive impact on the life of others. Now these are some of the life lessons that I have learned. It is not an exhaustive list, but it has served as a reminder to me of the areas to which I need to give more effort in my remaining days. You and I are painfully aware of those times when I have failed to live up to these standards, but that doesn't diminish their importance. Strive to do better. I offer them to you with my sincere love, my respect, and my blessings. Amen.